In the many years I've worked for someone else as a reporter, I always had the idea of creating a podcast version of the stories I was writing because I got my start in radio. I love hearing other people's voices and trying to capture events in a sonic fashion. The December 19th, 2023 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement once again focuses on a single meeting in a fashion approaching my vision. I'm Sean Tubbs, still trying to figure out how one listens to something visible. On today's program, Charlottesville's Human Rights Commission celebrates a milestone. Preservation Piedmont salutes the city for work to locate unmarked graves of enslaved persons in Penn Park. Several people have been appointed to boards and commissions in Charlottesville. Charlottesville City Council won't be taking a trip to Maryland anytime soon. And City Council approves two large rezonings near the University of Virginia. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Today's public service announcement goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for over 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Are you looking to escape and reconnect with nature? Consider holding an event where the natural beauty of the grounds will provide a venue to suit your needs. Visit their website at campalbemarle.org to view the gallery and learn more. Today's edition of the newsletter has audio from the December 19th, 2023 City Council meeting. This is not the whole meeting, nor does it contain material from the budget work session held at 4.30 p.m. It also does not contain information about the development code vote. That's coming up later. Did they take the vote? I don't know. I mean, I do know, but we'll get to it later. November marked the... 10th anniversary of Charlottesville's Human Rights Commission, a body created after the dialogue on race that began in December of 2009. City Council agreed to create the body on a three-to-one vote on May 20th, 2013, with Councillor Satyendra Huja abstaining. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook reading from a proclamation marking the occasion. The Charlottesville Human Rights Commission held its first meeting on November 21st, 2013. The proclamation was received by Ernest Chambers, the vice chair of the Human Rights Commission. We are one of few that are left in the state of Virginia uh, that are active. So um, it's very, very important for us to continue our work and support, um, especially affordable housing that's going on here uh, in Charlottesville. The budget for the Office of Human Rights has increased during the time period from a fiscal year 20 figure of $184,470 to a fiscal year 24 figure of $487,553. There are now four full-time employees. You can take a look at the minutes from that May 20th, 2013 meeting in a link in the newsletter. That was the same night as the public hearing for the 2013 Comprehensive Plan. Two people... Two people spoke. 
A group that honors preservation of historic resources in the region has honored the city of Charlottesville for work to investigate the identity of who is buried in unmarked graves at a cemetery in Penn Park. Research commissioned by the city confirmed they were the bodies of enslaved persons. Preservation Piedmont created an annual award this year for cemetery preservation and descendant engagement. Genevieve Keller is the president of Preservation Piedmont. We established this award this year because we wanted to illuminate and reveal that which has been hidden in plain sight for way too many years, the human burials of those who were once enslaved in a place that is now a city park. Archaeologists were asked by the city to investigate depressions in the earth adjacent to a family cemetery. The consultant team of Rivanna Archaeological Services and Neva Geophysical used ground-penetrating radar and found 43 unmarked burials. This is the beginning of an effort where descendants can determine how their ancestors should be memorialized. This is a group award that also names the descendants, the historical society, and the city's consultants. Diane Brown Towns is descended from one of the people interred at the site. She thanked the city. For respecting and honoring the space that allows us to do the research, contextualize, and interpret our ancestors' stories. Our families were torn asunder because of the commercializing and human trafficking during child slavery. This project allows us to find our families. We're beginning to mend. Brown Towns said the work is sad, but liberating. Jeff Werner is the city's preservation planner in the Department of Neighborhood Development Services. He said there is more work to be done. Uh, in the coming months, we'll be coming back to you. Uh, we have a landscape out there that we know contains unmarked graves. We don't know the extent of them. We don't know the location of all of them. Werner said descendants would like to have the area fully mapped in order to allow them to fully memorialize their families. There was one more item before regular business. And the next item on our agenda, another recognition, is a resolution of appreciation for Leah Perrier. <laughs> Her year was selected in February to complete the term of former city councilor Sina McGill. Per year was among the first people elected to the school board in 2006 and served four terms. Here is the proclamation read by Lloyd Snook. And whereas Leah may have thought when her 16 years of service on the Charlottesville School Board ended a year ago that she was going to retire from public service, and whereas her community called and she answered, now, therefore, we wish to state our deep appreciation to Leah Purrier for being willing to join us on this dais, and we particularly remember and give thanks for her deep knowledge of Charlottesville and our people, her compassion and concern for people who are left out or marginalized, the depth with which she jumped into the revision of our zoning code, her good counsel during the city manager search, and her faithful attendance and diligence that she brought to all of the duties of a city councilor. Her year was one of 20 applications and did not think she would be selected. When we got the narrowing down and I was in that group, I said, mm, okay. But I knew, I just felt that it wasn't me. 
So first of all, I wanted to say thank you to the four of you for asking me to join the team. Per year thanked everyone in city government, from the custodians to the city manager. She encouraged people to seek out the positive aspects of the community. Charlottesville has not done everything right, but no one does. But one of the things that I hope that each and every one of you in this room or watching or listening will understand that there are some good things in this city. This was likely the last meeting for per year, but city council could potentially have a special meeting. Who knows? As 2024 begins, the Charlottesville Planning Commission will still have a vacant position. City Council named several people to city boards and commissions last night, but once again declined to appoint someone to the body charged with advising them on land use. Here is Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. There were some spots we did not fill. There are some reasons we can get into separately, uh, but we don't need to talk about tonight. Suffice it to say that there are still openings available. In an email, Snook reminded me that the position for the Planning Commission is listed as closing on January 31st, 2024. Take a look at all the vacancies on the city's website. Ronald Bailey has been reappointed to the Board of Architectural Review, filling a space reserved for owners of residences in an architectural design control district. Roger Burrell and James Zemer have both been reappointed to the BAR, serving in the historian space. Both Richard Frabel and L.D. Perry have been reappointed to the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund Committee. James Rucker has been appointed to a vacancy on the Historic Resources Committee. Heather Griffin has been appointed to the Charlottesville Housing Advisory Committee to fill a space reserved for a real estate professional that had been vacant. Charlie Burton, Angela Estes, Heather Gaston, Patty Harrigan, and Suzanne Lynn have been appointed to the Human Rights Commission. And Planning Commissioner Phil Duranzio has been reappointed to a position on the Personnel Appeals Board. City Manager Sam Sanders has continued the practice of providing a regular report to City Council on the activities of city government. This was something that had been started by his immediate predecessor, Interim City Manager Michael Rogers. On Monday, Sanders announced the cancellation of a trip to Montgomery County, Maryland, where Council would have learned more about how that community's transit system is implementing battery electric vehicles. The trip had been anticipated as another piece of information for Council in advance of a looming decision for how to proceed with alternative fuels for Charlottesville area transit. But that's going to also allow us to go ahead and move forward with CAT in partnership with Kimley Horn to bring forward their presentation on the recommendations for the study. That will occur on January 16th during the work session. Sanders said a decision will not be made at that work session and added he is hopeful a trip to Montgomery County can occur eventually. The city manager also announced a high-level leadership exchange with officials in Albemarle County. This is something that we um, have done in the past, and every now and again it has gotten off track. We've been able to bring it back together. It was an important opportunity for us to work on key matters that we have in collaboration pertaining to our respective FY25 budget planning. Sanders said topics included transit, libraries, emergency management, and parks and recreation. Here are some items from the written report. The Parks and Recreation Department is seeking responses to a survey to inform the creation of a new master plan. 
Charlottesville Area Transit has announced it will create, by May 2024, a dashboard to show ridership performance on time rates and service levels in order to promote transparency. And construction will begin next year on an all-abilities play space called Bennett's Village. This will be in Penn Park. But you're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a new service targeted at the development community that likely isn't widely known yet, 3D point cloud scanning. This is a technique that uses specialized equipment such as 3D scanner systems to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of the scanned object or scene. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results, all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs and now has a dedicated team offering this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, construction, design industry, or just interested, feel free to contact them for more information or a free quote. Visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D point cloud scanning of the downtown transit center, and there's also a booklet that will explain more. Thank you to Design Develop for their Patreon-fueled shout-out. Shortly before they adopted a new zoning code, Council also approved rezonings under the old system for mixed-use buildings near the University of Virginia. Both projects had been deferred at the December 4th meeting. The first is known as Verve Charlottesville, which would replace 62 existing apartments with between 524 and 550 units, though the exact count might be a little lower now. The project is located at the intersection of Jefferson Park Avenue, Emmett Street, and Stadium Row. Matt Alfoley is a city planner. You gave the applicant two weeks to go back to come back with something better. Before you tonight is what they're bringing back to you. The concept for Verve Charlottesville had been altered between the Planning Commission public hearing and Council's first consideration. That had not changed, but developers' subtext acquisitions did offer to pay more into the city's affordable housing fund. That had been a sticking point. The new proffer statement that has been provided to city council and signed offers four and one-half times that which would be required under city code section 3412D2 based on the approval of the final site plan up to a maximum of $6,800,000. The amount on December 4th had been a maximum of $6 million. The exact figure would be determined via a formula that's associated with the existing city code that uses total square footage as one of the inputs. The new development code will have a new mechanism for calculating cash in lieu payments and are expected to be much higher than the existing system. That will be covered in the Affordable Dwelling Ordinance Manual, which Council will have to approve. 
Counselor Michael Payne wanted to know more about how Subtext came up with their number. Attorney Valerie Long responded that they used the RKG Rate of Change report, which recommended changes to the calculation. It's not an arbitrary number pulled out of the air. Um, It is based on the analysis as best we're able to do it with the information that we have. Payne said he could support the project now. As best as I can, looking at RKG's analysis and the change they've made, I think are were made in good faith and have gotten, particularly compared to this, when, when this began at $4 million, is, is much closer to what I think the payment in lieu would likely be under the draft inclusionary zoning. The vote to rezone the property to planned unit development was unanimous. The project will also have to go through the Entrance Corridor Review Board, which is also the Planning Commission. The second project approved is a rezoning request for 2117 Ivy Road, one of the only properties on the northern side of that street that is not owned by the University of Virginia or its Real Estate Foundation. This project would include up to 241 units and was also deferred at the December 4th meeting. Here is Dannon O'Connell, another city planner. Uh, and in that time, the applicants have revised their proffer statement. They have increased uh, the cash in lieu payment for affordable housing to a maximum of $3,250,000. And they have also added a second proffer to reflect proposed design changes to their pedestrian streetscape and building step backs. In this case, RMD Properties has not yet decided if they will pay into the fund or actually build the affordable units. Attorney Valerie Long also represented developer RMD Properties. She said those design changes for the streetscape have been made in response to UVA. We've also moved the building back um, as far as possible from Ivy Road to address some comments that you all provided at the last meeting. Councillor Michael Payne said it is a good location for housing and will not displace anyone. Obviously, the university has bought up most of this corridor and is going to transform it, and it's going to be different in terms of their architecture and height, and I think that's okay. And I think um, I, I think it always has to be on our mind the concern that the university continues to buy property, and it's now well north of $15 million a year that we don't get in tax revenue become, because of that. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook repeated a comment he had previously made de- describing the building as having too much trying to be packed into it. It's only a one-acre site. I guess I'll cast a reluctant yes. This project will also have to go through the Entrance Corridor Review Board, which is the Planning Commission. What might this project have looked like if City Council and the Board of Supervisors had not agreed in November of 2019 to dissolve the Planning and Coordination Council? There is no longer any public forum where the three members of the three-party agreement can discuss ideas and share concerns openly. Instead, that happens behind closed doors. It's the end of 6.15, and I had hoped but didn't quite make it through all of the city council meeting from December 18th, but the next edition will write up the discussion on the development code. I've already produced some of that, but have to get through the end of it first. I know I'm not going to be first with that story, but I can assure you my report will be the most thorough. And that's what people pay me for. Today, I have received a new $5 a month Substack subscription 
a new $200 a year Substack subscription, and a pair of new Patreon supporters. I thank all of them, and it's my hope to eventually use some of this funding to hire people to help me do the work. People, not AI. And I thank all of you who have made a contribution so far. Thank you to Ting for their sponsorship. The initial payment for those two Substack subscriptions will be matched by Ting, which keeps me doing this on a full-time basis. I'm already prepared to do this for all of 2024, maybe beyond. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.